Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome into a new day, a new week of Bet the Edge. He is Drew Densick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And on today's show, we're going to look back on the weekend, including the Warriors getting a lopsided victory in Game 2 in San Francisco, and also what that means now for the rest of the series. Also, our resident prop king, Von Delzell, he's going to join the show and tell us what he's targeting now for Game 3 of the NBA Finals on Wednesday. And we'll find out if he's going to be the undertaker on K-Props for today, Major League Baseball's Monday slate. And of course, stick around for our edge of the day. We have that and a lot more coming up right here on Bet the Edge powered by Points Pet. Drew, new week. How was your weekend? It was lovely. Um, you you know, look nice... like you got some sun, so I'm jealous. Yeah. California's treating you well. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite nice here. Um, can't complain a little bit about my Celtics performance yesterday. Um, boy, did it feel like they really had an opportunity there to um, make a couple adjustments at halftime, come out and get a second win in Golden State. It was not to be. Uh, ultimately, um, you know, the, they go back to Boston, three and a half point favorites in game three. Tough to say that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought the adjustments were there at halftime. I'll go back to that. Um, the Warriors obviously came out in game two. They said, hey, we're going to be a lot more aggressive at the three-point line defensively in game two. We're not going to give you those wide-open looks from three. Um, and that worked. Uh, you know, they had a lot of contested shots. But the mm-hmm. problem was for the Celtics, I say the problem, the contested threes went in for them in the first half, so they didn't really make any adjustments at halftime. They didn't really say, hey, look, you know, we're not getting high-quality shots here. We need to be attacking the rim more. Uh, instead, they settled for the, the difficult stuff, and it stopped working in the third quarter. Um, and then they defaulted to the highly contested, very challenging two-point shots, which was an right. even worse outcome. Um, so very disappointed that the Celtics didn't get more aggressive trying to get to the rim, trying to get to the free-throw line. Um, whistle really wasn't there for them, so I guess they felt like they couldn't really do it but um it was uh it was a disappointing game too ultimately particularly their offensive scheme and approach and i think uh uh, we're going to need some tweaks before we get to game three if we're going to get back on track this series um ultimately we said it all along hopeful that they go back to boston 1-1 like Mm -hmm. that was the plan all along here but at the same time after game two was so decisively warriors from that third quarter performance um it's tough now to feel as bullish as i was you know 
heading into the game too. Um, I'm concerned a little bit about the third quarter adjustments and that in particular. And I actually, as we were coming on the show today, was curious to ask among sharper betters, among some of your friends and yourself that specifically cap the NBA. When you look at third quarter adjustments and the two games we saw specifically with the Celtics, is there a way, an advantageous way now to attack the series moving forward? Well, the third quarter stuff is really strange, honestly. Like, there's not. It's so apparent, though. It's so apparent. At the numbers. It's so apparent. It's I passes the eye test. You watch that third quarter. It felt like two very different teams playing each other. I felt like a lottery team up against the world's best. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's uh, it's not obvious to me that there is a scheme thing going on more than just the Warriors do give you more effort in the third quarter. It's like um, if you're running a marathon you have a certain amount of energy you're willing to extend at any given point in the race. And if you are three quarters, you know, if you're halfway in and all of a sudden you burst and, you know, use all of your energy to uh, gain a lead on your opponents, like you open yourself up to the risk of them coming back on you in the fourth quarter, which is what we saw in game one. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't, you know, they got enough of a lead on them in the third quarter of this one. Um, But it, as crazy as it sounds, it basically just boils down to an effort level. Um, And as I mentioned, I thought if the the Celtics had gone into the halftime and said, hey, look, we're going to specifically change our approach offensively, give them a different look that they aren't expecting, get to the rim more often, get to the free throw line more often here. um, I thought that could have kept them in it. But instead, Mm -hmm. they settled for the absolute worst of their offense. And, uh, I, you know, it showed in what was it, a 12-point quarter, it felt like. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, the the third quarter, the halftime adjustments haven't been super amazing for the Celtics <laughs> this entire playoff run. It's a young team. It's a young coach that may be part of the problem. Um, but uh, certainly would expect with a full uh, couple of days to prepare here uh, and adjust that you're going to get something better from them uh, coming out of the gate in game three. And we're going to continue breaking down this game in just a few moments and obviously tomorrow and leading into Wednesday's game. But you brought up something. I had the numbers behind it, which I think is kind of crazy. I know you discussed briefly about Boston and their three-point attempts. I think what's crazy is the Warriors, I saw, held the Celtics to 12 fewer attempts in game two than they did in game one. So obviously defensively, the Warriors stepped it up and now hoping the Celtics can get two wins back at home. You did say all along with your handicap Celtics and six, meaning that the Warriors were probably going to take one at home anyway. Let's see the adjustments now they make moving forward. Um, we're going to welcome in Vaughn in a second, but a reminder now, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We now welcome in Von Delzell to help us break down not just what we saw, but now how to spin it moving forward for game three. Von, I saw on NBC Sports Edge betting Twitter yesterday, you guys, yourself, and the fantasy exec, Corey Parson, of course, had a nice little points bet parlay going that cash mm-hmm. two-leg parlay. Plus 225 was boosted to plus 275. Jason Tatum over points that game home, and Jalen Brown under 34 and a half points, rebounds, assists. That's a no sweater for you. Um, here's a, Here's my question, though. Now, how do we... I feel like you have a a better understanding of this series than I do now leading into game three. So what are your kind of takeaways from game one and game two? And now how do we spin that moving forward? Yeah, I've I've had a pretty good view of the NBA playoffs in general. The zigzag theory is more alive than ever uh, in the postseason, you know, betting one team and coming back on the opposite team in the next game. Celtics have been a primary example of that all season. I mean, coming off a loss, we are, you know, they're 6-0 ATS, 6-0 on the money line. 
So, of course, a lot of people are going to be running to the window on the Celtics already. We see a three and a half. I'm sure that's going to close four, and a, four, four and a half number. But, I mean, realistically, the Warriors are the better team. Drew and Sarah, I know you guys talked about uh, how you guys are both on the Celtics overall in the series. Um, I would not be shocked, and this is going to be a crazy thing to say. This could be a cold take uh, in a week or two. <laughs> but I would not be shocked if the Warriors run the table and win out the rest of the series. Um, now, I only say that because the Celtics, of course, uh, you know, Rob Williams, not 100%. We saw in the last game, Al Horford, the way Draymond Green came out and took Al Horford away at the top of the key, that changed a lot of what the Celtics were able to do offensively. And we saw, like you guys said already, the third quarter adjustments have been amazing for the Warriors thus far. So uh, I do lean the Warriors here with a three and a half number. I think we're going to be able to get a better number, but live betting, as we saw, has been so key in this series. I mean, you're getting great numbers on either side, and I think you'll be able to get a better number on the Warriors here. And whatever game wins game three, I'm coming back pretty hard on the first quarter, first half of the opposite team uh, for game four. So that's kind of my viewpoint looking forward for this game so far. Interesting. So we're going to go head to head then. I'm very much uh, Celtics minus three and a half here, uh, expecting, you know, expecting them to have some adjustments. Uh, they have them they in have their to. pockets. They have to give you get, they have to come up with something better than what we saw in second half for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the I mean, Warriors clearly going to be a tough out here. Um, if you had to say so right now, it sounds like you think the Warriors ultimately come back and win the series. Do you favor a Steph uh, MVP at this point over uh, a Warriors series press? Yeah, so if uh, anyone that read my Game 1 article for uh, on NBC Sports Edge, I put Steph Curry two units for MVP. I'm very confident in that just because we talked about the Warriors experience, 123 games, the zero games coming into the finals, you know, the coaching edge, Steve Kerr, great, one of the greatest coaches of all time compared to a rookie coach. The Warriors have every single advantage in a lot of ways. And like we said, the Celtics have been a team that are struggling to lose back-to-back. They don't lose back-to-back games. They're struggling to win back-to-back games at a lot of points too. And that inconsistency scares me against the Warriors in general, but Steph Curry MVP to me, mm-hmm. you know, Iguodala won it the year that Curry should have won it. We're going to see some voters throw that into the equation here, but I mean, Clay Thompson, what are you doing? He's out of the picture if the Warriors win it now. Uh, you know, Kayvon Looney, arguably the second best warrior right now, to be honest, this guy's playing out of his mind. Um, I've loved everything I've seen from him. Uh, so, you know, it's really a Curry, Tatum, or Brown pick. I told you guys last week that I like uh, Brown a little bit for lunch money, but I mean, it's Steph Curry or nothing for me. I think the Warriors win the series. Uh, You know, this should be a six game series. I said five, but I think Curry is the better bet because of value. He had better value than betting the Warriors straight up in the series. Yeah, the number was obviously better. I bet into Jalen Brown to an MVP of the NBA Finals. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously, they need to get wins, and Jason Tatum was the clear star for the Celtics yesterday. But just looking at what Curry has done to reiterate of why he's now the favorite, he had 34 points in Game 1, 29 points in Game 2, five plus three-pointers now in each of the first two games. Their offense travels, taking on Boston on the road on Wednesday for Game 3. But just looking specifically at Game 3 props, not all of them are available on points bet or wherever you you know you want to shop around to look what are some that you think are going to offer maybe a little bit of value that intrigue you as we get ready for Wednesday Vaughn well definitely expect an Al Horford bounce back game uh how he was used how Drew just said they're going to make adjustments um number one adjustment is how we get Al Horford the ball in better situations uh that being said you know when you're posted up on Steph Curry you have to score the basketball uh there's no excuses for that but I expect a very nice game from Al Horford all around in the next one Jalen Brown's been a guy, uh, as you just talked about, Sarah. He hasn't hit his overs very often with points when he's at home in the postseason, which has been odd. But this is a game 
where he's going to have to bring it all. But if there's one guy on the Warriors I'm definitely backing, it's Steph Curry's overs. I mean, I wrote about my biggest play in game one was his over 38 and a half points, rebounds, assists, because in his last eight NBA finals at home up until that point, he was averaging 46 points from assists. Okay, so that was just a clear huge edge right there. Now he had 39 in the last game with the blowout, didn't play the fourth. This game is going to be all about Curry, the Clay Thompsons, uh, and Jordan Poole. Now, Jordan Poole popped off there. He made that half-court shot. You know, he looked good in the blowout. But game one, he was very ineffective. Uh, so, and Clay Thompson has been very ineffective. So I'm looking at those two guys, uh, really questionable what their props are going to be. I look at a Jordan pullover. I think he's got more confident now. He's ready to go in game three, but it's Steph Curry or nothing when it comes to the overall props for Golden State. Okay. How about uh, some, let's, uh, let's crack into some K props for today. Cause we do have uh, some MLB in action. Uh, looks like a, a pretty fun slate, even though it's a small slate. Um, any K props that uh, really strike your fancy tonight in the, uh, on the diamond? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a saying that once went viral before. All right. So if you're going to a Blue Jays game over the past 10, 11 games and you're sitting anywhere that's possible to catch a foul ball, hide your kids, hide your wife. These dudes are ripping the baseball, Drew and Sarah. We're talking about a 306 batting average, 997 OPS, both top in the MLB over the last seven games. Uh, I mean, they're 9-2 and two in their last 11. They get Daniel Lynch today from the Royals. He just played Cleveland. Uh, Daniel Lynch had one of his worst performances of the season since his season opener, in my opinion. He went four innings, let up nine hits. He only had uh, one or two strikeouts. And just looking at his numbers in general, he has very low K percentages and whiff percentages against the Blue Jays, uh, the guys he's already faced. So I'm looking at a lefty uh, that can get hit very hard. And they just faced a lefty yesterday in Devin Smeltzer, who we also bet the under three and a half Ks on him. And he only had one K over four innings. Uh, so I'm looking at Daniel Lynch, a guy that's had a couple of nice performances you see on our hit rate chart, but you see the very low games, the outputs, and those are very, very good teams. So I don't expect him to go anywhere near five innings. And uh, six out of 10 lefties have gone under three and a half Ks against the Blue Jays. So they like their lefties. Okay. More money coming in on the under. I just looked over at points about the action coming in on Daniel Lynch. He only has two Ks, two strikeouts uh, in each of his last three starts. So we'll take the under three and a half strikeouts against the Blue Jays playing good baseball. Another team playing good baseball right now. I know everyone's watching this series. That's the New York Mets out in San Diego playing the Padres. Blake Snell's pitching. I look forward to watching this match. Do you have a K prop on either side? One of the best teams with the Mets now taking on the Padres. Yeah, this is going to be a good game. Two teams that are hitting the bell, ball pretty well lately, too. Uh, so I could see an over potentially in this game, but I like the under on Blake Snell. Now, one thing I find interesting, books that have his out props, have him at 15 and a half outs today, which is five innings. Will he go over or under five innings? And anytime you get a guy like that and he has to get seven strikeouts, I mean, that's a pretty good bet for the under in general. But you look at what the Mets have done. We've bet, again, we've bet the Mets a lot taking unders on pitchers because they've been so successful across the season. But – Left-handed pitchers, 18 of them they faced, 15 of them gone under six and a half strikeouts. So that's a clear edge right there for taking Blake's now. This is only his fourth start on the season. As you can see, he was banged up in spring training, uh, came up his last two games. He had six and seven Ks. I actually bet his under five and a half Ks last game against the Cardinals. Well, the fourth inning, he struck out the side, uh, and that's what gave him, you know, the six Ks. So very lucky. I don't think that's going to happen again here, especially against the Mets and a team that has – but success against Blake Snell, who I don't think is the greatest pitcher in the world um, or a very good rotational pitcher, to be honest. So Also, uh, we're, we're the under. on a plate discipline, Vaughn. Just looking, the Mets now striking oh, out the sixth fewest 
in major it's, league it's baseball. It's elite. And against him, I mean, they're only it's a 17.5 K percentage. I mean, those are like Madison Bumgarner numbers. Uh, so yeah, we definitely want to take that tonight. Blake Snow under six and a half Ks. Speaking of not very good, speaking of Madison Bumgarner, uh, we got a gross one uh, with the D-backs taking on the Reds. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, I guess I think the D-backs are probably not as good a team as the Reds, even though they are a lot better than them in the standings right now. Um, yeah. Do you think Hunter Green, who has been uh, tough to really put a you know put a, a good number to, do you think he can find some form against a, a pretty weak lineup in the Arizona Diamondbacks? Well, if you watched our Bet the Edge game time show on Wednesday when us three talked about Hunter Green, I told you, you had to get him, Drew. You had to take that over five and a half Ks because the guy's been a monster. Now it's up to six and a half here. But, I mean, like I said, the guy's throwing 100 miles per hour pitches constantly. He's got he's got gas, uh, put it that way. But you look at every single game, he's had six, at least six Ks and almost every start except one against the Cardinals, and that was the second start in the season. He's only He only hit the over four times at six and a half Ks. But this is going to be his easiest start here, in my opinion, at home. You look at a couple guys who the Diamondbacks have faced over the last week or so. Ronsi Contreras from the Pirates had eight Ks. Spencer Strider and Tony Gonsolin had seven Ks uh, against this team. So Green is a much more aggressive guy that throws a lot faster than them. And the first time through the order is when he gets most of his Ks because his opponents are only hitting 177. Um, and the second time through the order, it's 316. Uh, so people kind of start locating that fastball the second time through the order. But right here, I mean, he's faced the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs at home. Three teams that could be kind of hard to strike out, especially the Cardinals and Brewers. But this one is going to be much easier. So we're going over six and a half Ks for Hunter Green, back-to-back overs for the youngster. Yeah, a lot of things working for you with all that you said. And you love Hunter Green. You did mention him. I remember that on game time on Wednesday. Now we're back on his starting pitching rotation, day five. Uh, It's a good look. Arizona strikes out the most on the road, along with the Pirates, close to 10 Ks per game. And also just in general, they strike out the second most of any team in baseball. So it's good to attack the Diamondbacks here. And Hunter Green's a good look. Um, So good luck with all of your plays. I see a lot of baseball plays as I'm going over what you went over on today's show. And of course, we look forward to talking again, hopefully before game three three on Wednesday. Thank you for all your insight, Vaughn. We appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Best of luck to you guys. tonight. I just want to say if the Celtics do win the series, I'll be at the parade no matter what, acting like I bet on them the whole time. So it doesn't matter to me. Ooh, it's a little dicey, but then again, I'm riding the Celtics uh, bandwagon train, so I can't make fun of anyone because that's what I do with any pretty much most sports as we get closer to the end, whatever I'm betting on, I'm on the bandwagon. If you're not following Vaughn on Twitter, by the way, you can do so at Money Sports. Tons of plays there that he just went over today and, of course, on NBCSportsEdge.com. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Athletics face the Guardians in Cleveland on Sunday, June 12th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Now, before we get to our edge of the day, our best plays, I did not have time to talk a little tennis with you about the French Open in particular. And Iga, lights out. I know you had a big futures ticket on her. Obviously, Nadal wins the men's. I didn't get your overall thoughts and reaction and your celebratory, hopefully something celebratory over the weekend after Iga beat Coco Golf. Uh, frankly, I forgot that they happened. <laughs> Both finals were such a non-event. It was really, really yeah. wild. Uh, very, very, very lopsided way to end the tournament. Uh, Iga, of course, comes through cleanly. 6-1-6-3 over Coco Golf. That was, and honestly... Huge sigh of relief. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of futures and parlays tied into Ego winning just because the price was never right. Um, How many times did um, you call it Poland Garros is what I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> well, that was fun, right? That was Ego, really of course, fun. from Poland. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it was, that was as, as spectacular as you would have hoped. No nerves whatsoever once she gets past Zhang. Uh, and realistically, um, you look forward now and Iga pretty clearly the class of the women's field. Um, she is now the heavy favorite for Wimbledon, despite the fact that her only success there came as a junior. Um, and I think that actually opens up a little bit of opportunity to go against the great Iga Sviantec. Maybe. I'm happy you brought this up because you bet into Iga. I'm trying to think when you got your four to one ticket for the French Open. I was like March. March. Right. <laughs> it was a while ago. A while I waited back. a long that time. That being yeah. said, now is yeah. the time to start looking for value for Wimbledon. Not that it's that far away necessarily, but right. I'm right. looking for futures tickets that you play specifically in this market. So if there is a way, whether it's kind of maybe looking outside Iga at Wimbledon. Yeah. Or for someone else, I'm all ears. I bet two women to win Wimbledon. Neither one was Ega. 
Um, and this is all price. Like, again, like I completely acknowledge Iga could carry this form that she had on clay right into grass. She could be out of this world good. And she's that much better than the field right now that she should be the favorite. I'm not disputing that she's the favorite. I just, I think that in general, this is a more wide open tournament than what you have at the French Open, where it was so clearly Iga was the best player on, on clay. It was not close. Here on grass, experience matters. You have to look at some of the wily vets who have played a lot more on grass throughout the you know throughout their careers mm -hmm. as having a shot here. Uh, and that starts with none other than Miss Angela Kerber. Uh, she is a past champion here at Wimbledon. She is a multiple slam champion. And honestly, I had kind of written her off for 2022. I thought she was dealing with some sort of injury and was not going to be a factor. She played great at Roland Garros. That is not her surface. That is not her, her tournament at all. But she was quite good, I thought. Uh, and if she carries any part of that form into Wimbledon, she's going to be a factor. She will be there in the quarterfinals and or semifinals. And she is available right now in the 25 to 1 range. But that's my second choice. My Who's first choice player? owns Jabor. Owns Jabor, I have rated as the best woman on tour right 16 now. 16 to grass. 1 at points back. I better at 33 to one. I better at 32 to one. I better at 30 to one. I better at 28 to one. I stopped betting her at 25 to one. Points bet is smart. They have a sharp, the sharpest price on owns in all of the market. Um, but her grass game is awesome. It is so, so good. The only better woman on grass is Ash Barty, who retired. And so Owens Jabor should be able to break through at this Wimbledon. She was amazing, you know, in Wimbledon last year, had a very, very challenging draw, uh, but made a deep run. She dispatched Iga uh, pretty comfortably in that Wimbledon run, Owens Jabor last year. So uh, realistically, um, I'm on Owens pretty heavy in the 30s, okay. and I'm on uh, Angelique Kerber at 25 to 1. I think those are But at two 16 to 1, what, like, I want to get involved, right, with both of these. And I swear, for everyone listening and watching, yeah. I did not plan to ask you these questions. It just happened, sure. and I'm so excited that I got these future prices from you. Sure. What do I do? What price is bettable, in your opinion? Because you want them to obviously make it to at least the quarters to see how you can maybe... Okay. Make some money off. Yeah. yeah, well, shop around for sure, because because oh, as I mentioned, points bet is on. They're they're paying Harper attention. Buff for, for women's they're, tennis. They're paying attention. Yes, okay. they, they're they're paying attention to their future books, and they've moved the price correctly on owns. Other places were hanging in the 30s, and I think you can still probably find that. Uh, so I would shop around for best price available on owns, and I would put a little bit of Angelique Kerber in pocket. You could still get Angelique Kerber at 25 to 1 on points, but they're, they're a little sleep at the wheel on that one. Um, but the rest of the women that are at the top of the board here, I mean, it's a who's who of who's out of form right now. Simona Halep, not in form. Car Carolina Pliskova, not in form. Sabalenka, not in form. Bedosa, not in form. Andreescu, not in form. Mogarutha, ah, if she wins a match here, I'll be impressed. Uh, Krachikova, she lost her first match at the French Open and is not a grass player. If she wins a match, I'll be impressed. You know, so there is a it, it is it is kind of a mess who you know among the names at the top of the market here. One of two things happens: either Iga carries her form into Wimbledon and is unbeatable on grass, just like she was on clay, or owns Jabor, Angelique Kerber. Uh, have a realistic shot to be your Wimbledon women's final. Uh, but either way, uh, it's going to be a lot more fun watching grass than it was watching clay just because the outcome of the clay tournaments was a known entity. It was Ego is going to ultimately win. They're going to play tennis for two weeks and at the end, Ego wins. Like that's kind of the, you know, how it has been going on now for a while in women's tennis. So um, 
absolutely uh absolutely well, wide I'm open fired up i know our listeners are too that now we can look for those tickets as yeah golden beginning in, in three weeks now and it's tennis season it is your time yeah. to shine and that's how i go to edge of the day you kind of gave out pretty much two edges now how to move forward for wimbledon and the women's singles but specifically for today or tomorrow i know you're watching tennis around the world what stands out what's on your card specifically for today's show Yeah, well, the men's side, not as competitive. Djokovic almost certainly wins Wimbledon. Um, but we have a couple of warm-up matches for the men's. My favorite match that uh, that starts off the grass season, it, my favorite tournament that starts off the grass season, is Stuttgart. Uh, they do just a beautiful job of mowing the lawn there to give you that uh, kind of old-school tennis feel uh, on, on the lawn. Um, if you didn't know, actually, uh, like the official rules of tennis were kind of solidified in like the late. 1800s maybe 1870 uh at the all england cricket and lawn uh tennis uh, club uh, i didn't know and, that um, yeah no so effectively tennis was started as a sport played on the grass uh and we returned to grass this week with tournaments in stuttgart and ertagenbosch uh ertagenbosch is kind of the secondary tournament in my mind and also it looks like they're going to get a lot of rain this week so it might be a mm. snoozer um, but Stuttgart is just awesome. Uh, the most of the matches for today are done, but the field looks very, very fun for the rest of this tournament. Uh, and overnight, there's a good bet to be made on Alexander Bublik, Kazakhstani kid uh, who is really coming to his own this season. He has upped his game to where he is clearly top 30 uh, on the men's tour. And he's taking on Dennis Kudla. Kudla is an American who is only good surfaces grass it turns out he can't really play on hard court or clay um but uh he's traveling to germany from england where he was the final loser yesterday in surbiton uh and realistically i think bublik ought to be about a minus 125 favorite here i bet him at minus 108 it's creeping up to minus 112 mm -hmm. uh, i think he closes the favorite there and realistically uh i make him you know meaningfully better than kudla uh it should be still competitive though bublik we haven't seen play since the french open he's had a little bit more time to regroup but he is untested so far this season on grass where kudla has already played five matches and if you look at the their head to head it's 1-0 in favor of Kudla that one happened in 2018 when Bublik was just just coming on to tour so I would not put any weight into that and I think uh, Bublik gets the win here and uh, maybe may, maybe makes a little bit of noise in this tournament I mean I can't really tell you who's going to win Stuttgart there's not uh, any kind of a top heavy uh, draw here Sissipas is the top ranked player but he's a mess right now Berrettini is coming off of a long injury he's a mess right now Herkatch is your third seed he probably deserves a little bit of consideration in the futures market here um, and we got to watch out of course for uh, for Nick Kyrgios Nick Kyrgios the Australian uh, best surface is grass his serve is just out of this world good uh, and he might have uh, something to say about who ultimately wins this tournament when it's all said and done Okay. Well, Bublik for overnight. Is this one that you look at your phone in the middle of the night? I'm not sure what time this is going off in California. I know it's early. Oh, uh, I haven't seen the yeah. order of play yet. It's probably going to be over though when I get up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a wake and cash. Wake and cash. That's yeah. my favorite type. Well, yeah. I might get involved in the wake and cash. It's my new favorite saying, by the way. <laughs> All right. No wake and cash for me. I'm going to Wednesday's NBA game for my edge of the day. I actually want your opinion what I bet into. I looked for a while this morning. I stared at this total. 
I thought I'm getting involved with the over for game three. And Drew, if you hate it, you know what? You can tell me. Uh, I took over 212. It's now creeping up to 212 and a half. I think there's still, still some 212s hanging regardless. But I think we just saw this go way under in game two for the reasons that Drew, myself, and Vaughn obviously just talked about. Third quarter adjustments to lack of for the Boston Celtics. How the, the Warriors were able to contain Boston, especially from the three. I mentioned they allowed the Celtics 12 fewer attempts from the three in game two than they did in game one. Al Horford, not a great game. Marcus Smart, they both combined for just four points in game two after combining for 44 in game one. I think adjustments for the Celtics in particular, one being able to keep up with the Warriors offensively, who we know travel on the road. They put up 108 points in game one, 107 in game two. And I think it's going to be a more competitive game throughout. We've seen these really weird lopsided quarters in game one and game two. I don't see that happening with both sides making adjustments now for game three back in Boston. So for it to be a closer game and the spread indicates that with three and a half, I, uh, I do kind of like Boston to get, to get it done at home, but I think it's going to be a more competitive, close game, a higher scoring affair. So I bet the over for game three, and I'm hoping that's what we see in Boston, Drew. It checks out to me. Um, I'm expecting the adjustments to be more stoppages, more free throws, um, easier shots at the rim than the contested twos the Celtics were taking in game two. And my concern is they're not able to slow Steph Curry as much as they'd like to. No, so you're going to no, have no. to keep up with him, right? Yeah. Like you're going to have to have answers offensively, not just Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum. Yeah. yeah. Or sorry, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You need like the likes of Marcus Smart and Al Horford to put up more points offensively, hence leading to the over in this game. Yeah. You need the supporting cast to step up. But ultimately, I just think the game flow and the way that the game will be played in terms of strategy plays to an over. So I agree with you. Okay. Taking the over for that. And we'll have more plays throughout the week leading all the way into Wednesday. And now I'll be watching tennis for the for the wake and cash uh, for leading into tomorrow's show. That's all we have here. On Bet the Edge. I see your cat in the shop, by the way, Drew. I love when you <laughs> come in at the end of the show. That's all we have here on Bet the Edge, powered by Points Bet. Thank you so much for being with us. He is Drew Dinsick. I am Sarah Perlman. Be sure to continue following us on, obviously, Twitter, social media, and watching us here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Best of luck with all your bets. We'll see you guys right back here tomorrow morning. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.